Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Tom, thank you for coming on today. No, thanks for the invite. Man, you're so busy. I mean, you know, I had a sort of uh, um, a slight um, look into your kind of schedule, uh, and it's very hectic. Uh, I know you like uh, surfing. Does that kind of, yeah, keep you sane? Yeah, definitely it does. Um, yeah, so pretty hectic, obviously. GP partner, three kids, um, one medic's money as well. So yeah, surfing I love because uh, you can't take your phone or your email and you're just out there and it's like you can clear your mind because when I'm surfing, uh, especially if the waves are big, you got to focus on <laughs> if the waves are big, the survival and uh, otherwise just catching the best wave and, and you're just purely focused on, on that. So Sometimes people say, what do I do to relax? And to relax, I go out kite surfing when it's ridiculously windy, surfing when it's pretty chunky and ride a bike really fast downhill. And the reason I find that relaxing is because, it, yeah, it just clears your mind and you've just got sole focus on that one thing, which is surfing, biking or kiting. Sort of staying alive, essentially. <laughs> I wouldn't be that dramatic, but certainly... <laughs> When it's big, you know, mistakes get punished. So you're pretty focused on not making a mistake. And it just, I don't know if you find that, but when you've got a lot on, your mind is so full of things and to clear it fully, it's quite hard unless you, I mean, I've tried meditation and yeah, just, I get too distracted, but I guess like surfing is a bit like meditation because I just focus fully on, on that and nothing else, which is good if you're busy. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I, um, I tend to like having arguments with the wife, because it keeps you like focused on the edge. And in that kind of uh, sweet spot of no man's land, and also similar, you know, arguments and, you know, similar emotions, but you know, you just don't know what's going to come next. So I guess, uh, you know, that's my way of dealing with these things. What, um, what got you started in these, um, adrenaline sports um yeah i think like i lived by the sea and when i was growing up uh just you know grew up in a normal working class family we didn't really have access to a lot of these sports and so i started them all uh, later in life i think yeah much later in life so it's partly like um where i lived by the beach and i'd see everyone out kite surfing but i you know just being honest couldn't couldn't afford to do it uh, and then as i got a bit older and got some money I thought well let's try it and um, so yeah I think I just like to try lots of things and some of them I enjoy and some of them pass by the wayside but um, they're the staple kind of sports I suppose yeah yeah and 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 what sort of things did you try which you thought no fucking way you know this is something that I'm not going to do again yeah so Uh, tennis basically because my wife is actually pretty good at tennis and 
every time I play tennis with her, I just get the worst runaround ever. And she just makes it look effortless. And then I have no idea, no technique, the blood pressure rises, technique gets worse. And it's just uh, not good. So tennis, um, that got ticked off the list. Football, I'm useless. Rugby, when I was a kid, I was really skinny and I went to a pretty rough school. So rugby was basically all out warfare, but under the guys of it being a rugby game and so i tended to stay away from that as well um so yeah <laughs> that's my kind of journey yeah yeah and and what's what's the best wave you've ever surfed on i think that's another reason why i like uh surfing because there is uh no perfect wave you know uh every time you get an amazing one you always think right something must be must be better but uh, you know, I've been really fortunate. I took a couple of years out and worked abroad and stuff. So I managed to surf in Australia and stuff, but it's going to make me sound really old. My favorite wave is the one at my own beach and it's really slow and not particularly big ever. And, but I just love getting out, getting home from work or a tough day and then just jumping in for an hour. Uh, it just feels amazing. So yeah, that's my kind of old man's answer to that is that I just like getting any wave is good and if it, if it happens to be at the end of your road and you can get there easily and cheaply without any dramas then that's all good where, where where's your local wave i don't want to give away the secret spots but um yeah i live like just south of chichester which is kind of on the south coast of the uk between portsmouth and brighton right right so 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 you've kind of trademarked that that particular strip um unfortunately not usually pretty <laughs> usually pretty busy um but yeah the locals the locals do all right there so yeah and and have, have, have you had any sort of near misses or total disasters or oh yeah you know, um, near, near death experiences yeah so broke my foot did a this frank fracture dislocation uh which i tried to walk off because i thought well it's a bit swollen and it's a bit bent at a funny angle but I was a fourth, uh, I was quite, you know, I should have known better, but yes, yeah, so I broke my foot. That was an ideal. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Hawaii and I was surfing a massive wave, fell off, hit the reef, cut my arm, leash snapped, had to swim in with the tiger sharks bleeding from my elbow for about 45 minutes. So that was not ideal, but generally um, that is a minority and um, almost all sessions pass off uneventfully and, and seriously, like they are dangerous sports. So I've been doing it years. Uh, so yeah, practice and stuff is perfect. And I'm, at the moment I've been out of really big waves for a while. So I probably wouldn't be hitting massive ones right now, just cause I'm not prepared. You've got to be prepared for all these things. And, and is it a kind of sport that you can get into, you know, fairly easily that, that there's a need a lot of um, financial investments and things like that. Yeah. So as I alluded to, it's not the most accessible sport. Oh, I mean, surfing is all you need is a board and they're relatively cheap. But I think the one of the things is, you know, I, I could not really afford lessons. So I kind of self-learned and that was a slow, painful process. Um, so it might, it's not that accessible, to be honest with you. And I, I don't really know how you can change that because not only like football, if you're playing football, you schedule it in for Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. and bam, you're on. But surfing, the waves 
don't come when 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 you want them to uh, same for the wind so you're always at the mercy of the weather and i think that makes it difficult and to be honest that's one of the reasons why i chose to live by the beach i trained in birmingham and i hardly ever go out there but if you live by the beach you give yourself the very best chance of pouncing on those conditions because you don't know mother nature's in charge and not you so you have to kind of work your schedule around that and sometimes that can lead to uh you know tension at home when you get home from a day's work and it's time to put the kids in bed you're like i'm just gonna pop out for a surf <laughs> oh right i mean I, I, I didn't realize it was that kind of unpredictable and um you know there's a science behind it yeah so forecasting's got amazing but essentially yeah the conditions aren't uh on you know they're not scheduled you just have to see what how it is and go for it seize so the day so it's a bit like the, I guess, the financial markets. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, no one can predict the future, the financial markets. And as, as soon as you acknowledge that and factor your plan around that, uh, the better you'll do. Whereas modern forecasting for the weather, it's usually not far off. So I'd say the financial markets are even more unpredictable. Wow, wow. And, and um I mean, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, uh, you had some financial difficulty when you were um, growing up. Um, was that sort of at the forefront of your mind growing up or, you know, sort of thinking about you know, doing medics money or am I way off? No, no, you're not way off. So I would just say like we were just a normal working class family. So, yeah. you know, we weren't rich. We weren't going off on uh, airplane holidays or anything. We just went on just normal working class family. And then, you know, when I went to medical school, I accrued a tremendous amount of debt. And at the end of medical school, I looked at my debt and I looked at <laughs> my salary and I was just in a blind panic, basically. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have any assistance and that's fine. I was just looking at it thinking, wow, this is a big problem. And, and at medical school, we received no financial education whatsoever. Um, some people tried to come and sell us some stuff, but they didn't really educate us. They just wanted to sell us something. And so my panic meant that I just started a 14 or 15 year journey about teaching myself about money and because I had to, and I got quite good at it. I managed to pay down my debts and, you know, started to optimize my finances. And I think what happened was I claimed back a tax rebate on my uh, exams, which was, you know, several thousand pounds. And then some of my friends were like, right, you need to show me how to do that. And then their friends told their friends. And suddenly I was helping way too many people with their finances. And I, I never wanted to do something like medics money. I always want to be a doctor. I still like being a doctor and still work as a doctor. And so I try to shut it down, but it just wouldn't, shut down really and then i bumped into my colleague ed who is a, a, a doctor as well but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor and he had a similar journey and was saying about how he'd been helping people and we were like look somebody should do something to one educate doctors and two connect them to good uh, financial advisors and accountants who actually understand doctors and then we were like yeah someone should really do this and <laughs> After much deliberation, that was basically how Medics Money was born. Wow, wow! And and in terms of the early educators that you um, that you encountered, um, were they kind of you know the usual you know people like um, you know Gary Vaynerchuk and sort of 
celebrities like that or did you you know do a course or did you see your old economics uh, teacher or professor or how how, how did you yeah. educate yourself yeah, it was just like, so online courses weren't a thing. Uh, I'm, I might be looking young uh, under the lights here, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a while ago since I was an F1. So online courses weren't a thing. Uh, so basically it was basic. and podcasts weren't really a thing. So it's basically just books and also going to financial presentations that, you know, are targeted towards doctors. And that was a really informative process for me because I noticed that most of them it was essentially one massive sales pitch and they didn't tell us what we actually needed to know like this is how you sort out your tax code this is how you can claim back your tax on exams and this is what you might like to think about they were essentially trying to sell us things and that's fine because I get that because they're commissioned salespeople. but there wasn't anyone really doing actual education um, and then yeah I just kind of kind of grew, grew, grew like that in terms of my knowledge and picked it up along the way. And, and then occasionally I'd go to a, a presentation and the person wouldn't try and sell me anything. And I was really confused and they were actually genuinely interested in educating us. And, uh, and that got me really confused as well. And so what we did on my next money is got people that are interested in education and people that are interested in helping doctors and, and no salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, podcasters sort of, all shapes and sizes and and um yeah there's lots of selling that goes on um i find that it's a bit more in the states but i guess you know it's a bigger audience and there's more um you know financial incentives there i guess yeah i have no problem with people selling things but do it overtly tell us that you are there and that you are on commission and that you are possibly a restricted and not an independent financial advisor tell us that stuff and then we can process that information and make a decision on like that and one thing we try to do on medics money is make it getting financial advice like the process of consent you know so when we consent our patients we tell them the, the benefits the risks and any alternative options and we don't omit key information that they need to know so let's make getting financial advice uh, exactly like that you know i want you to know why we only recommend independent financial advisors that specialize in doctors and not restricted. I want you to know why you need a specialist medical accountant to do, do things for you as a doctor and, and most non-specialists are really flounder. So let's just be open about it and let's talk about it and treat it like consent. And, and um, in, in terms of the actual podcast, how did you get the idea of starting the podcast? Yeah. So what what happened was it things grew quite quickly and we were getting you know speaking invites um that we just couldn't make because we still work as doctors and so we just didn't have time to speak to everyone who who we wanted to because we want to help all doctors and dentists and uh, other healthcare professionals and so we were thinking how is there a way that we can speak to thousands or tens of thousands of people a month easily and every I, I love going to conferences and speaking at conferences always a, an honor to be invited but also means I'm away from my family and the waves and so we're thinking how can we scale it and then we thought well let's try a podcast and if people who know me and Ed will know that we are the two most unlikely people to start a podcast but we did it and it seemed to be popular and so 
we carry on doing it. We just passed our hundredth episode is out uh, this week, I think. And we've had over 300,000 downloads now, which, yeah, it's, it's just, just an honor to help our colleagues out in this way. And we get so much lovely feedback, which makes it so rewarding, as I'm sure that you do as well from, from your pod. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you're in the sort of top five or top four healthcare podcasts in the UK, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty popular. Um, so yeah, we're regularly in the top five, which again, you know, it's just an honor to help our colleagues out in this way. We find it so rewarding. So the other day, uh, I had a patient and I, I, I needed to ask the A&E consultant a question. So I phoned them up, basically trying to avoid a mission and uh, introduced myself. And they said, oh, you're from the Medics Money podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, this Uh-oh. is weird. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. And they were like, oh my goodness, I use your podcast to understand my pension and you've helped me out so much. And then they helped me out with my clinical question. And it just felt amazing to, you know, so rewarding to be helping our colleagues out like that. And, and that's where we're really lucky with, you know, obviously we've got Ed and his unique skill set, but we've also got the, the very best in the business who come on the podcast, give their time for free, educate doctors. And so, yeah, we, we found podcasting really rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and who's been your best um guest apart from yourself and ed oh um i couldn't single out favorites but (laughs) the most popular episode unfortunately is one about how to retire early which probably says a lot about the state of the profession in the uk at the moment and so in some ways that's amazing that we're helping our colleagues out but in some ways that's incredibly concerning so yeah that's the most popular episode right now and and what's your view about that? I mean, um, what's your uh, ten pence on that? Well, I'm I'm out there on the shop floor every day as well, so I completely understand the sentiment, and I think it's really really worrying. Uh, so for the individuals that are retiring early, you know, happy days for them. Thank you very much for your years of service in the NHS, and I completely understand why you're not happy to tolerate the working conditions that currently prevail in the NHS. Um, but for the profession uh, as a whole, again, you know, it's, it's difficult. And for the NHS, I think it's a disaster to be losing that expertise. You know, these, these doctors are, the, the more experience that I, I've been a doctor now 15 years, uh, the more experienced that I get, the more I appreciate the benefit of experience. So to be hemorrhaging these people from our workforce is an absolute disaster. And I think the NHS will look back on the last five years and rue that the, the, the nothing was done about or seemingly nothing was done about it. But yeah, if the individuals are retiring early, like, thanks, thanks for your hard work and enjoy retirement. And, and uh, you know, I mean, this is a sort of political question, you know, what, what would you do uh, today that will um, stop this hemorrhaging? What would be your, like, your three top, top uh methods or tips yeah that that's that's a big question um so i guess there's a few things rumbling on so you might be aware that some consultants have had a 30 percent real terms pay cut over the last 10 years and juniors have had a 22 percent uh, over the last 10 years and 
you know, money, what you pay your staff is a measure of value. Okay. And there's other ways that you could value them, like not charging them for parking, providing them somewhere to get food, maybe supplying their rotor to them more than a week in advance. And if they say to you, I'm getting married in one year's time, don't say, well, sort the rotor out. Say, yes, I could accommodate that very reasonable request. So yeah, that's one thing I think for senior clinicians as well that perhaps they've had the benefit of seeing better times and now there's worse times and it's just a multitude of factors but i don't think there is an easy solution to the problem but it feels a bit like to me that we're reaching a crunch point with increasing rotor gaps increasing waiting lists and increasing retirements it's a bit of a concern for somebody who who works and ultimately relies on the nhs as a patient you know so yeah yeah i mean it is worrying um you know being a patient myself um that you know even though we work in the system it's a bit of a maze you know trying to uh navigate this whole uh, you know this whole system um and it must be very very scary for the patient you know who has no idea how the system works yeah i often think at the moment that I'm doing an okay job as a doctor, despite the system, if that makes sense. And that's not a good feeling. So how, how, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, navigating is going to be difficult going forward, but it's got to be done, I guess, you know, we can't just, I mean, you know, how do you navigate a difficult wave? I guess is, is that, is that a similar analogy? Maybe. I mean, you prepare properly, you train properly, you need, you get enough people and enough resources so that you can, you know, deal with that wave uh, mm. using that analogy. And yeah, you know, all of these things at the moment in the NHS are really difficult. So yeah, I think if the NHS was a wave, it would be incredibly difficult to surf and you know, occasionally you might wipe out and it would be for factors completely outside your control, which is not my kind of wave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we can't avoid it, I guess. And and um, I tend to just carry on and plow through. That's my kind of ethos, really. You know, I mean, the workload's going up and uh, I mean, I, I work in the NHS five days a week and um, um yeah uh, clinically it's quite difficult because you're getting more complicated conditions patients are much more um i don't use the word demanding but you know rightly so because you know we've had two years of you know no medical input whatsoever apart from the pandemic situation um and and the pathology is has got more complicated um and the support structure is less as well compared to uh two or three years ago yeah um i think you know people are just opening their eyes a lot more maybe that's people are how you know are sort of talking about it I, I i guess whereas it wasn't much of an issue before because it was um all hidden and un unrevealed yeah and i think let's be clear you know the nhs is still amazing there's an amazing practice amazing i see i get to see uh all my secondary care colleagues like yourself work every day when a discharge summary comes back to me and it, it is still amazing but i just think that 
you know, the public need to know that the workforce is stretched beyond capacity. Now there's, you know, queues outside the door for ambulances. This is not safe. This is not fair on anyone, not fair on the staff, on the patients. Um, and so it's still a great, the NHS is still great, but it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, in my 15 years, I think the last few years have been, and not, not just the pandemic before the pandemic were some of the most difficult. And again, like, let's just be honest about it. You know, we fund the NHS really, really low in terms of GDP per, per capita. So let's just be honest uh, about that fact. And we can't expect a Rolls Royce service for, uh, you know, I'm using Ed's car here, but uh, a Skoda Fabia money. You just can't. So we have to have an honest discussion about it. <laughs> hey, it's a good car, mate. Come on. Skoda Fabia does, you know, does the business. Solid. Absolute solid, you know, <laughs> and highly unlikely to get stolen. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what do you think of all this sort of electric vehicle revolution? Are you, are you, are you bought into it? Are you, um, I'm are you getting stuck. involved? in my working class ways. So I drive, well, people say they're beaters, but they're well-used cars that are, you know, I, I don't like to spend money on cars because they are expensive. They depreciate, they don't uh, increase in value. So yeah, I'm a long way off of it right now. I'm got a 20, I think it's 10 years old. My um, Peugeot 206, 207. I'm not into cars at all. So um, yeah, I mean, We've got to look after the planet. And if it is a green solution, then I'm, I'm in favor of it. I mean, mostly I get around by cycling. So, Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Now we're coming towards the end because I know you're a super busy guy. Um, uh, obviously, apart from uh, the listeners tuning into your podcast, what would be your three uh, top tips to, to our listeners about um, making good financial sense? Um in the years ahead yeah i think number one would be to just prioritize your finances a bit it's easy when you're a super busy clinician there's always something better to do than finances and it's not particularly interesting tax is very boring uh, ed will probably be upset when he hears this but get educated about your finances there's loads of different ways you can get educated you've got podcasts you've got books you've got websites and obviously medics money is specific to healthcare professionals but there's so many ways that you can get educated and i just think as well another thing so the second thing would be start early you know compound interest is uh, the eighth wonder of the world according to einstein but you do need to start early if you leave it really late until you get to 55 and you think i'm done i want to retire but unfortunately that might not be uh, an option and i suppose the third thing as well is of course money and finances are important but we're only here once in our jobs day to day we see people whose lives are cut short prematurely uh, not against the plan so i think seize the day and make sure you enjoy life whilst you're on the way to improving your finances and if at all possible get out surfing as much as wonderful and and you know I'd, I'd like to finish on this what what would you tell uh the 18 year old tommy um today having gone through what you've gone through over the last um uh, so many years yeah i think uh if you if you if you get on it early, it will work out okay in the end. And debt is a big problem for, you know, 
doctors that are just graduating now, but at the end of the day, you're in a, a really rewarding job. You know, we get paid to make people better. And that is a fantastic job to be in. And it's still incredibly rewarding. And yes, it comes with some issues, which we've touched on today. But at the end of the day, you know, it's been an absolute privilege to be a doctor and to help people. I mean, I get paid to make people better, which is amazing. Wonderful, Tom. That's been absolutely uh, stellar. Um, how, how can people get hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, so we've got the Medics Money podcast, which is on all the usual platforms. So just search for it there. And then we've got our website, which is medicsmoney.co.uk. Uh, so that's two really good ways. We do post on Twitter occasionally, but not super regular. And then for me personally, as you know, uh, we met on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn's uh, always a good shout, although my inbox seems to be full of people offering me locum work at the moment. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers.